Crosstalk on WIZM. Uh, uh, let's spend a few minutes with Dr. John O'Horo, who can talk with us about uh, three words that have brought up a lot of medical experts to uh, this program, the first of which is asymptomatic. So, uh, doctor, thanks very much for talking with us this morning. Uh, what is the definition of asymptomatic? Asymptomatic really means is that somebody is not Give, manifesting any of the typical symptoms that we associate with a disease. So in the case of COVID, this would be the kind of person who feels well, is out and about, and really just doesn't know they're sick, but uh, still has some degree of infection, either brewing or even uh, having a full-blown infection, but it's very mild, so they don't really register this. We all have these kind of asymptomatic infections from time to time, and it's just the sort of thing that typically goes under the radar. It just has more significance here because there's increasing concern that there's asymptomatic transmission of COVID, where especially for patients who do become symptomatic, in about the day to two days in advance, they may be shedding some of the virus and may have some risk of transmission. So that's why the word asymptomatic has been getting a lot of coverage lately. Isn't every flu... And we keep hearing from people, you know, where was all this concern about the flu last year? Uh, We didn't shut the world down over swine flu or uh, H1N1, any of that kind of thing. Uh, And I'm sure there were lots of asymptomatic individuals then. Why is this flu so much more, so much more? Why are we doing so much more to shut down the world because of COVID-19? Sure. There's a few key differences here when it comes to COVID compared to the flu. The first is that it's mildly more transmissible, and that is uh, something where when we talk about something being more transmissible, uh, when we talk about viruses, because their growth is exponential, even a little difference in how transmissible something is has a larger impact on society as a whole. The second thing is that this seems to have a lot more of asymptomatic or really, in this case, pre-symptomatic transmission, where in that day uh, to two days before someone has symptoms, they're transmissible. We don't really worry about that as much with the flu because the onset of symptoms really correlates a lot better with the point where you're at risk of getting that. And if it's as simple as steering clear of somebody who's coughing, it's a lot easier to contain uh, a virus than it is if we are um, having to worry about somebody who's looking perfectly well but might just be in the day or two before they develop symptoms. The third one is for the flu, we actually have a pretty good not a, uh, a pretty good vaccine. Our coverage of that vaccine is not great because not everyone chooses to get vaccinated, but that's one of those additional measures that's helpful in mitigating that so we don't have to go to the same extent. And finally, the overall mortality numbers on this, even though it seems to be uh, in flux because we're still studying this as this comes out, is significantly higher than we see with any of the seasonal uh, normal flus like the flu we had last year. Since there are so many people who believe that uh, vaccines are evil and cause autism, I'm never getting a vaccine. When one is discovered and widely distributed, except to those people, does that mean that COVID-19 will, will, will remain in our community and we're always going to have it because those people won't get the vaccine? Well, there's a number of scenarios that we can look at with this, and one of those scenarios is that we will be dealing with this for uh, many years to come because it will exist in low levels of transmission. And certainly if that's the case, it could uh, flare up, particularly in communities where there are low rates of vaccination. Having said that, there's always the question of how effective that vaccine is going to be. 
We have some vaccines like uh, like the vaccine against measles that is very, very effective where the outbreaks are really well contained to those communities where there's a high number of people not vaccinating in this day and age. And then we do have things like the flu where the vaccine, although it's very effective overall, it's not 100% effective. And we generally say it's still worth getting, even though if you get the flu, it tends to be milder if you have the vaccine, so it still helps you, but it's not 100% effective in, or even uh, 90% effective in actually preventing the flu. It just makes it milder and less likely, so it has a larger community effect, but it could, uh, it could still be something that occurs on a lower level if we have a reasonably effective vaccine. One of the other things... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we also don't know if this really will persist because we still don't understand the immune effects of this all that well to know if this is something that once you... There's some suggestion that once you have this kind of thing that the immunity might last, but we don't know how long that immunity lasts. So we don't know if this is going to be something like the flu where we need to do periodic boosters if we get an effective vaccine uh, sometime next year. Uh one of the things I hear often is you got COVID-19, you recovered from COVID-19, you're back in the community with antibodies. Are you then helping to promote herd immunity? Why don't we get a lot of people together that uh, have recovered and let them high five and, and breathe on everybody else so they'll get a mild case of COVID, they'll recover and we all have the antibodies and we all live happily ever after. Yeah, this is the same kind of thinking that goes behind, like, uh, chicken pox parties for small kids. And it's something that um, part of this is that we don't really understand the immunity of COVID as well as we would like to right now because it is such a new illness. I remind people that it is, uh, it, no one really had heard of COVID back around Christmas, which wasn't that long ago. And we, there hasn't been a lot of time to really study long-term immunity effects just because of that. Having said that, for people who have the mild cases, we don't know if it's because they had a different variant of the virus or more likely because of some of their host factors, that their immune system was just better equipped to deal with it than most. And as such, if you have a mild case, you may be transmitting, uh, transmitting a virus to others who will have a much more severe case than you did. So that sort of uh, effect of spread doesn't look like it would be terribly effective and could put some of the higher-risk people, like older people or people with weakened immune systems, at higher risk. All right. And well, go ahead. The, I was going to say, in the antibodies piece, we don't know how effective the antibodies are after several weeks yet. That still is an unknown. There are some research studies that look at taking those individuals have recovered distilling down their antibodies in a plasma donation and giving it to people who are severely ill. So there is some role for that right now in the research setting, but we still don't know for sure if that's going to be a broadly effective uh, treatment option. But it's still not a, uh, a high-five and cough on somebody who has antibodies, and, and then you're both going to live happy and healthy. No, unfortunately, this one does involve uh, some needles and taking some blood. Yeah. All right. One more quickie because we're already late. Uh, uh, what do you, if you were the governor uh, and you look at other states that are opening for business now, are they doing this too quickly? Can can we reopen in some fashion, carefully, safely, and get back to some semblance of normal life? That's a very good question, and there's a lot of variables that are going to have to go into that. I can say there's a number of things that we can do to mitigate risk as reopening occurs, such as uh, making sure everybody is wearing masks and encouraging social distancing, encouraging hand hygiene, and probably most importantly, encouraging people who are sick to get tested and stay home. 
uh, how effective that will be and the timing of reopening are still topics of a lot of debate and discussion, though. I appreciate you spending time with us this morning, uh, Dr. John Ahoro, uh, helping everybody, I hope, understand that a real-life doctor with real-life advice, with correct information, not what you read on the Internet or heard from your Uncle Bob. I appreciate uh, you spending time with us this morning. Dr. John Ahoro, got to go.